Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Greg Williams, a teacher in Montana with a background in aerospace engineering and sports tech. He was first introduced to the field at MIT, combining his engineering studies with his interest in baseball. We speak about some of his sports-related projects at MIT, as well as his time at Rawlings, where he worked on glove development. Check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, for more information, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the Force Technology Podcast. My name is Mike and this week we have Greg Williams coming to us from Montana. He's going to talk to us a little bit about his experience in the sports industry with a few different areas with MIT and then at Rawlings later on. So also with me is Henry. Hello. So why don't we just let Greg give a little bit of an introduction and we can get going from there. So Greg. Sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me guys. Like Mike said, I'm, I'm uh, from Montana. I'm actually from here originally. Grew up here, went away to school at, at MIT, did my undergrad in aerospace engineering there, got sort of plugged into the, the sports uh, research and engineering lab under Kim Blair, and then made my way out to Rawlings Sporting Goods after I graduated, where I, I worked for about four years. I moved back here about a year and a half ago uh, here to Montana. Just wanted to come home, and, and, and now I'm actually a high school teacher, so I'm, I'm no longer in the industry, but I, I spent about four years at Rawlings and, and a couple years doing research at MIT. Very good. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you got mo- you motivated to work with Kim and, and start some projects that, in the sports area? I was I was real athletic growing up and I, I played a lot of sports and, and my main one was baseball. Played that all through high school and then at MIT I, I was hoping to play ball there too and I ended up making the team and and playing all four years there as a shortstop and about my junior year, right at the beginning of the junior year, I, I basically stumbled upon the lab Kim had set up uh, where, where they were doing sports research and, and had, had never even thought of that before as a potential career. But when I heard about it, I, I thought, you know, that, that sounds fantastic and I want to be a part of that. So uh, it worked out well because it was it was also in, in the same department, the aerospace engineering department at MIT, but basically just kind of happened upon it. And the fact that I had been an athlete was, was really what kind of drove my interest there to get me started. As a technically minded athlete have you had before before you got involved with the sports technology group there had you thought of sports in an engineering capacity before had you applied your knowledge in in aerospace or just engineering in general to more athletic thoughts yeah not not a bit and and that's i guess what was kind of funny was and, and probably a lot of people never really think that that there's i mean obviously somebody has to design the, the sports equipment that you go buy in the store and and so there are, are jobs out there. there, there are careers and there's research, research opportunities that I had never even put two and two together before uh, and, and thought about. And so, like I said, when it was, it was my junior year and I just basically heard about this lab, I was, I was pretty excited. I basically just contacted Kim, who is the director of it, and asked him if, if there were any opportunities to help out. Can you talk a little bit about that first project that you did? So, yeah, so the first thing I did was really just kind of helping Kim out with a presentation he was putting together about technology and sports equipment. So it was, it was very broad, and I looked at a few different categories like golf and, and tennis and baseball and et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was a pretty minor project. There wasn't anything groundbreaking, any new research or anything like that. But that was at least enough to get my foot in the door and then basically led to an internship at Rawlings. A little bit of background on Greg and I. We were both on the MIT team. He was two years older than me and he was the one that actually got me involved with, introduced me to Kim as well. So on the first, was that your second project, I guess, with him when you started to kind of doing your 
But yeah, that would have been my my senior year. We uh, we started doing more formal research there. We had a couple projects, and that was when we brought you in for one of them. Yeah, maybe go over that a little bit, and then how that eventually kind of led led into your work at Rawlings. Yeah, so actually, I I interned at Rawlings before that. I interned the summer between my junior and senior year, okay, right. and yep. and I was I was working on a couple projects there that that we didn't finish during during the summer, and so basically took them into the school year and and ran them as, as a research project at MIT and, and kind of built upon them from there. So one of them was testing the handle flexibility and, and seeing if there were any performance gains that you could get by tuning the, the flexibility of the handle, a lot like in the golf industry, to individual players. And, and that was my senior project at MIT was, was to look at that. The one, Mike, where, where we brought you in, obviously you remember, was uh, looking at different types of wood for wood baseball bats. And, and we tested, it was six or seven different types of wood or, or in, in, in a couple of cases, we just took, took different types of ash. But we tested everything from, from really hard woods to really soft woods and everything in between. And, and, and basically just call, it's called the coefficient of restitution or how elastic the collision of that baseball with that wood is. And that's the one. That, that you helped out on. And you'll be happy to know that uh, one of our first episodes, you, we went did an in-depth discussion of the coefficient of restitution. So oh, good. All, our good. Audi- all our audience should be sufficiently up-to-date on that. Oh, if, they, that was a, if they managed to listen to a 25-minute discussion on that. <laughs> <laughs> that was classic. Good time. Was this research that you were doing, this lab-based stuff, was it the first of its type? Or were you aware of other similar research in sports or is this this sort of like the first time anyone's really taken a good look at baseball bats yeah so both those uh i guess i'll I'll tackle the wood one first to my knowledge prior to what what we did i don't think anybody had quite set up an experiment like that we we looked a little bit to see if there was any anything else done previously and we couldn't find anything and i certainly don't think at least to that that scope that we did and we again we checked Oh, woods from, from like poplar, which is a really soft wood, all the way to, oh, I'm trying to, I think it was Ipe, uh, yep. it's called IPE, that was really, really hard, really dense. You'd never use it for a baseball bat because it's so heavy, but, but just to see if there's a correlation there. But I don't think anybody had done anything else with that specifically before, and we ended up publishing a paper on it. The other project, the handle flexibility one, I wouldn't be surprised if, if other companies maybe had done a little bit uh, and just not published it, but but we we ended up publishing our results, and I think some similar stuff had maybe didn't, been done before, but again, nothing quite like what what we did, where we actually were trying to tune the flexibility to to an individual player. When you kind of finished up at MIT, you took a, a full time position at at Rawlings, right? Right. Yep. Right out of out of my senior year. And what was your starting role there? Oh, so when I started at Rawlings, yeah, I, I worked on baseball gloves for about a year and a half and, and that was mostly what I did. I didn't do a whole lot else during that that time period. But uh I, I thought that was that was really cool. Even though it didn't involve a lot of science and engineering, it was more of a, a craft or an art than than it is a science. We tried to to bring some science into it and and that was really Mike, you'll remember, I, I was a shortstop at MIT, and I was much more of a, a defensive person than an offensive person. So that was kind of where my passion was anyway, was with, with baseball gloves. So I, I like that a lot. Can you tell us a bit about the glove-making process? And- yeah, it, it's really a lot more complicated than you'd think. All, all gloves are, are sewn by hand. Uh, there's no machine that, that you use to just put a baseball glove together. In other words, you don't just cut out a bunch of leather and throw it in the machine and, and voila. 
it's all done by hand and it takes you know generally a couple man hours to to put a single glove together unless we're talking a, a pretty cheap glove but uh, anything that, that the pros or, or even high school college type players use it, it's a really labor-intensive process and so you start with uh, cutting out the leather pieces and, and basically it, it's sort of a cookie cutter operation you have your big slab of leather and and you have a, a hydraulic press and, and some dies that are like cookie cutters and, and the hydraulic press basically stamps out the leather pieces that, that you need. And there could be anywhere from really around 15 to 20, 25 pieces of leather in, in an individual baseball glove, again, depending on, on the pattern. But there's a really a, a lot of different pieces that, that go into it. So you cut all the pieces out uh, and basically you sew the glove together inside out, which is how you, you end up with the nice seams in a finished product, but you, you really, you, you rely on, oh boy, about four or five different machines throughout the process. They're all hand laced. Uh, it, it's really a pretty fascinating process. Is the actual design process for coming up with the patterns for these, these cookie cutters, like what, what shapes to use, is that, is that a very technical thing or is it more of like a, more of like a build it and try it and kind of go on feel and, and perception? Yeah, exactly. It, it's the, uh, really an art, like you were saying. And, and once you've done it for a while, you, you know, you, you generally start with a paper pattern and then make the dies based on that. And you can tweak the paper pattern a little bit and, and know kind of how that's going to result or, or how that's going to translate into the finished glove. But it, it's really, it, I mean, it, it truly is an art. And, and until you've done it for, for a while, it's not easy. I, I was able to actually make a couple of my own gloves and and it probably took me the first first couple times i did it, it took me like eight hours each, <laughs> each glove just because i mean the, the people who have been doing it for years i mean they can just you know hum along on, a, on the machines but for somebody who, who's brand new i mean it's it's tough it's, it's uh, a big process so did you guys work with a lot of players then to get feedback on what they liked what types of leather like how stiff and stuff it was yeah yeah we um we worked with kids, you know, all the way down to probably five or six years old sometimes. Um, we worked with little league age players, like in the 12 year old range a lot. That was actually probably, probably what we did most was, was that age group. Cause that's where probably the most bulk of, of love sales is, is, is that age group there. But then we also did work with high school players quite a bit. Some college players. And then every once in a while we'd, we'd go down to the, the Cardinals. Uh, Rollins is based in St. Louis, so we'd go visit the Cardinals before a game and, and chat with them, but that was not a lot that we did that. So, alright, we definitely, definitely, uh, tried to get a lot of player feedback because they drive, you know, the design, really. And I imagine as a baseball player yourself, you kind of had your own opinions coming in. Were, were there any kind of surprises that, that when you're getting feedback from these kids or some of the professionals that you may not have thought of as you were as you've been using gloves for pretty much all your life. Yeah, you know the biggest, the probably there are a couple of big things. One is is most people you realize really don't don't even know what they use. I mean, you go and you ask a kid, even like a high school age player, what he likes in a glove, and and he really doesn't know, can't articulate it. And that's probably the biggest thing is, is he, he may know, but he just can't articulate it. But even if you ask a kid, you know, what, what's your current glove? Most of them, not most, but a lot of them don't even, don't even know what they use. Don't know what the size is. Don't know. Some of them don't know what the brand is. I coach softball here at, at the high school that I work at currently. And, uh, and a lot of, a lot of the girls 
are, are the same way. They, they just they don't pay that much attention to to their glove and 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 the specs and 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 you know a glove's a glove to most players and and they'll use whatever they pick up. Now uh, some players are a bit more picky, but but for the most part, it seems like players just use whatever they whatever they find. The other the okay. other sort of trend there is, is that, that surprised me was a lot of players nowadays uh, really go for softer gloves. Uh, you know, you, you talk to people from back in the day, even when I was playing, to break in a glove was was a real process, and 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 you know, it took took weeks sometimes. Yeah, you throw it in the dryer, put it in the oven. People have all sorts of stuff, right, crazy yeah. leather sprays, whatever you use. <laughs> yeah, and of course we cringe when we were at Rawlings and we hear stories like that. But you know, uh, and, and nowadays, you know, people don't want to break in a glove; they want a real soft glove that, that they go pick up in the store and it's ready to go. Right, right. The first time that they put it on, which was surprising because it, it definitely a softer glove isn't is, is, is high performing. It, it it's not going to last you as long. So that was something that that I think a lot of glove manufacturers and definitely at Rawlings that, that we kind of struggle with a little bit because we want the glove to be durable. We want it to be a really good glove, and and the players want soft. So how do you kind of put those two together? From a from a non baseball player. Like I, I think of like basketball or soccer and like the big the big player equipments or like the shoes and and like companies release new new things with the shoes and you can see like see the advancements or read about them and things. What sorts of new technologies are coming out in gloves and are are gloves that same sort of billboard for for brands as as like soccer cleats are for or or basketball shoes are for um for other sports. Yeah, you know the the glove is definitely one of the biggest billboards that you, you know you can put your brand on. The bat being the obvious other one, that, and probably people care more about the bat than they do the glove. And, and then to an extent, catcher's gear. But uh, th- those three things are are really the way that that you get your your brand out there and visible on the field. And, and remind me, what was the first half of your question? What what sorts of new technologies have been coming out lately in in the glove world? Yeah, you know. It, it's funny. Gloves haven't changed a lot in the last 50 years, and, and that was one of the things we were trying to do at Rawlings when I first started was was actually bring some some different things into baseball gloves, some some new technologies, and 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 bring science into it. To an extent, they did that at Rawlings in, in the last few years. They've they've come out with some different types of of gloves, and and one of them is and it made a pretty big splash a few years ago was was the Primo, the first $400 glove, and it was made from Italian leather, and it had this so-called dual dual core technology where there is basically your your, your normal glove ha- has uh, basically a liner glove and then the outside glove, so it's sort of a glove within a glove. And then this dual core technology basically put uh, another piece sort of in between those two in the palm of the hand that, that helped the glove break in a little bit more uniformly. So that was that was one sort of new technology. And then in the last well maybe three or four years. Rollins came out with another one called single core technology. I think it is now another one where, where basically actually that one more revolutionized how they built a glove. And it's some of the gloves they do are, are that technology. Some are still the traditional technology, but kind of going back to what I was saying, you know, in the last 50 years, there hasn't been a lot of, of change. I mean, a, a glove is still basically the same, same way it was when, uh, you know, Ted Williams or, or Sandy Koufax when they were playing. Do you think that's, do you think that's because of a, a, a more traditional nature of baseball, and that people people are 
like they want to stick with their old ways of like buying a kind of a stiff glove and then like dryer oven running it over with a car type like i don't know those all those traditions kind of around a glove do you think that's do you think that's part of it is is that do you think the technology is kind of there to push it further but yeah to an extent i i think that the technology could be there or or, or you know I, I think we're to the point where we could do something different with baseball gloves but uh, base, baseball is a, a very, very traditional sport, like you were kind of alluding to, and, and to change something, even to, to just tweak the glove a little bit, it would be like an act of Congress, you know, to, to get people to accept it. So I, I think that's definitely part of it, is, is that because baseball is just such, such a historical and traditional game, you're going to have a tough time getting players to try something that's really out there. So expanding from the glove conversation a little bit, can you just talk a little bit about the general kind of structure of, of Rawlings? Maybe the, like how big was the R&D team? Like how did, were products divided up between people? Or like did you work, you work mostly on gloves, but did you do other, other types of, to pro, of projects as well? So when I actually started there, the R&D was, was on the smaller side and we grew a, quite a bit during the time that I was there. And, and when I left, I want to say that the R&D department consisting of engineers mostly but but a few other people too uh like even some some just more business-minded people it really consisted of probably a total of maybe 30 people and and that was basically it for for getting everything designed and and sent to market they they went through so many uh, restructurings during the time that i was there that it's, it's almost hard to describe but when i started there they were more traditional where the engineers did the engineering and and then the um, you know, marketing group did the marketing and then they they sort of tied those two groups together to where it wasn't any any more just engineers passing it off to marketing but but then everybody's working together uh from start to finish on a product so generally you break it up into bats gloves balls um, you have football training equipment and each one of those areas has oh anywhere from one to four people working on on projects and then there's some upper management in the department that sort of signs off on things and and, and is involved as well but basically it, within you know take bats for example they come up with the idea and product development group uh, takes it from uh, basically conception all the way to finished product and then passes it off to you know the business team so it's you know i i'm not a, a business major by any any means so I, I don't even know what kind of a company or, or structure you'd call that but it, it's kind of interesting and it, and it works it works okay it, it worked pretty well you know you'd have engineers working alongside the marketing team and and basically taking everything from start to finish. So it was, it was interesting how they did it. During your time at Rawlings, did you have kind of, what was your favorite part of it? Like, was there one thing that stood out? You like, you always look forward to something like testing or working with the athletes or something like that. Does one thing really stick out or a couple of things? Yeah, I, I love uh, the hands-on part. So going into the lab and, and doing the testing, which unfortunately was, wasn't a huge amount of the time, but, but that was a part that, that I loved. And, and you know, the kind of stuff that, that you and I did, Mike, at MIT, where it was real hands-on, pure research type stuff. That's that's the stuff that kind of gets me going. And 
you know, in, in the true product development world, that that stuff really happens minimally. It's, it's a lot less pure research based and, and a lot more, you know, let's get this product to market and 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 figure out how to do that real, pretty quickly. So one last question I had for you, Greg, is <clears throat> sure. um, with kind of people looking to get into the sports industry, maybe just graduating from college or something like that. What is your, do you have a, a piece of advice or, or something that you could kind of give them to, to maybe start their, their trip yeah. in the industry? Yeah, really, boy, it's a tough industry to break into. And, and depending on which angle you're coming from, whether you're an engineer who wants to design the equipment or, or, you know, business marketing type person who wants to market the product, the, the main thing is get your foot in the door. And, and that's tough, but, but really you gotta, you gotta think ahead and, and start that early in college or, or halfway through college and try to, try to line up an internship with a company. And a lot of companies have, have great internship opportunities. We had typically each summer, I don't know, around 15, 10 or 15 interns at Rawlings. I know a lot of other companies do internships. If they don't do internships, contact them anyway because they, they generally like to have college-age kids come and, and, and work for the summer. And that's kind of what I did. I, I didn't have a formal internship opportunity when I went to Rawlings. Uh, I I had, you know, Kim Blair basically knew that Rawlings was was looking for people, and so he, he called up Rawlings and asked if, if they'd be able to use me over the summer, and, and they said yes. But really just getting your foot in the door is, is the biggest thing. And, and once you start an internship, you've got some pretty credible experience to help you get a job when you graduate. So I, I think that's probably the biggest, biggest thing. Very good. Thanks for your time, Greg. So I think yes, we'll wrap, thank it, you. wrap it up My there. Pleasure. All right. That's the episode. Thank you, Greg. And thanks listeners for listening. For more information, you can go to our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Sports Tech Pod. Bye.